Good afternoon, Lafayette, Acadiana. This is Joe Cunningham here on the Joe Cunningham Show, News Talk 96.5 KPL. Glad to be with you on this beautiful Friday at the end of a beautiful week. But it looks like the beautiful weather may be over for a while. The last forecast I looked at shows some rain over the weekend and about through midway next week, some possibilities there. But then a return to sunshine and slightly cooler weather uh, on the back end of all that. So next weekend should be a beautiful weekend, but we got to make it through the next five or so days before that. But today, beautiful weather. Go enjoy the outside with your family. Uh, and then tomorrow, just be on the lookout for rain. Do y'all remember three years ago? Three years ago tomorrow is actually the date of the press release on this. Do you remember when Governor John Bell Edwards, so proudly in the middle of his reelection campaign, touted that the company Copter was going to be bringing its production here to Lafayette, would create, I think, something like 120 new jobs. They would be producing their new SH-09 helicopter here in Lafayette, Louisiana, at a facility that the state was funding at uh, the Lafayette Regional Airport. Bad news. This from the Daily Advertiser just uh, less than a half hour ago. Leonardo the Italian company that bought helicopter company Copter in 2020 is no longer planning to produce its new helicopter in Lafayette, the company confirmed on Friday. In a statement, the company said that it reached an agreement with airport officials to end its lease. The decision is the, the decision to end the contract came after Leonardo bought the Swiss helicopter company and reviewed the company's footprint. Uh, when Leonardo announced it was purchasing Copter in early 2020, a Copter spokesperson said the company doesn't anticipate to change their plans for Lafayette and expect to stick to our commitments. Don Pearson, the secretary for the Louisiana Economic Development, uh, said when the sale was made that he had no reason to believe that it would affect the company's plans in Lafayette. But following its review of U.S. assets, Leonardo decided to instead build its new AW09, not SH09, AW09, Helicopters in Philadelphia, citing a long-standing partnership with the city. Uh, Leonardo said the company and airport officials agreed that the company could end the lease by buying out of the existing contract and handing over a fully operational building. The company said it has maintained the building since taking it over in 2019. Now, again, three years ago tomorrow was when the governor started touting this. It was at the height of his reelection. In 2019, in three years, almost to the day, it is now being announced that, that is no longer going to be the facility uh, that these new helicopters would be manufactured at. So, yay for us! Uh, it's, uh, I'd, it, it's just the Governor John Bill Edwards was quick to hop on these things. Because it made it, it, it defied all of his critics. You know, all of his critics would say, well, the Democrats don't want a business-friendly climate in the state. He's going to actively chase businesses out of the state. We saw that in the first term. Companies left uh, the state left, right, and center. And so this opportunity pops up. Uh, Copter wants, you know, Copter's looking for a place to manufacture this new helicopter. John Bill Edwards jumps on it. Copter agrees to come in. He touts it as this big thing. He's like, look at me. I'm going into re-election. I bring new business to the state of Louisiana, this, that, and the other. Three years later, it's gone. Three years later, that opportunity is no longer there. Much in the same way that three years ago, 
John Bell Edwards was getting all of the black voters out to support him in his reelection effort, only for us to discover that he actually knew how Ronald Green had died at the hands of state police, but didn't tell anybody. And in fact, may have helped cover it up. That's what the uh, bipartisan House committee in Baton Rouge will be looking into starting on Tuesday. So John Bell Edwards doing everything he could to get reelected, including just straight up lying about things. And now it looks like those opportunities are no longer there. It's very strange how that happens. And I had to, uh, had to think of moon when I saw this copter story pop up because, you know, he's one of those guys who's like, whatever happened with that? What, when, when are we building the helicopters? And, Hey, as it turns out, we're not. That is the state of things here in Louisiana, in Lafayette in particular, uh, that bit of economic growth. Speaking of economic growth, actual good news for the United States, we actually saw a very good jobs report come out today. Uh, 678,000 jobs were added to the U.S. economy in February, which exceeded expectations by over 50%. February was the strongest monthly gain since July of 2021. Moreover, the previous two months were actually revised upward. So you're looking at closer to 800,000 jobs total that have been created in the last, uh, that that are, that uh, were created as of this jobs report. So that's actually a good thing. That is a very good thing for our economy. There's just a little bit of a problem. Inflation remains at a 40, 40 year high. The participation rate is relatively unchanged, and wages are still flat. The average uh, hourly wage in the United States stands at about $31.5. So while there are jobs being made, there are still some concerns, inflation being key among them. Wages are flat, so wages are not keeping up with the inflation rate that's gone up meaning that people are paying more for things, and no matter how much money they're getting, they're still not able to pay what inflation is jacking up the prices over. Moreover, I was just talking uh, with producer Mark here just a minute ago. I went to get gas yesterday. It was three eighty-eight a gallon. California topped $5 a gallon earlier this week. We are in the middle of an energy crisis. We can expect, I think, if this war in Ukraine continues on and leaves the markets as unstable as they are, we can expect $4 a gallon here in South Louisiana. The statewide average, I think, is in the mid $3 range. But here in Lafayette, especially long, uh, especially with two interstates that, that intersect the city, you can see prices hovering just below $4, if not reaching that in the next week or so. It's a pretty bad situation energy-wise. And the Biden administration wants to tout seven-something million jobs that have been created since he came to office, but he didn't create those. That's been actually in spite of his efforts. But they just can't help but try to latch on to this. Government doesn't create jobs, but government sure can get in the way of jobs being created. How many more jobs would be created if inflation, if supply chain issues, if energy costs weren't as high as they are? How much more could our economy improve month over month if the Biden administration got out of the way? But that's not happening. 
232-1542 if you want to join in the conversation. When we come back, let's talk a little bit about this energy crisis here on the Joe Cunningham Show News Talk 96.5 KPL. Welcome back to the Joe Cunningham Show here on News Talk 96.5 KPL 232-1542 if you want to join in the conversation. So yesterday afternoon, Congress adjourned. They, they went into recess for the weekend. A major global crisis still underway in the world, and Congress flees Washington, D.C., and any responsibility they have. Because the Biden administration is not going to do anything. The Biden administration has already basically tabled any sort of, uh, any sort of response, any sort of meaningful response to Russia. The U.S. has, put, has, has sanctioned some couple dozen Russian um, Russian companies, while European nations have sanctioned something like 400. The, the European Union has done way more, and the Biden administration has been very slow in adopting sanctions, and they won't touch anything on energy exports from Russia. They will not... They, they won't do it. And, and I'm convinced that the reason they won't do it is because they're terrified of the poll numbers. What happens if gas prices go up because they have sanctioned the oil that comes out of Russia? And Jen Psaki is trying to play down our dependence on Russian oil. She said some yesterday something like 10%. Well, if you take out that 10% of Russian oil from what we're importing, we're... You know, we're we're still going to see a huge spike in prices. Now, I, I'm willing to imagine if you polled the American people and asked them, you know, would you be willing to make this sacrifice if it meant ending the war in Ukraine sooner and 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 crippling Russia's ability to do war? Americans might actually be pretty open to the idea of energy prices going up a little bit more. But the Biden administration won't even consider it. Nancy Pelosi has said we need to sanctioned Russian oil, but then she and Chuck Schumer quickly adjourned for the weekend. And there's bipartisan outrage over this, by the way, via the Washington Times. Even some of Mrs. Pelosi's and Mr. Schumer's fellow Democrats were outraged, especially with Ukraine struggling to stave off collapse in the face of a multi-pronged Russian invasion. We need to pass it today. They need to call us back in, and those who can't come back can vote remotely, but we've got to pass it said Representative Ro Khanna, a California Democrat, who is extremely progressive, by the way. But Congress, in the face of this crisis, in the face of needing to do something to hold not just the Biden administration, but Russia itself accountable, Congress needs to stop being cowards and come together and get something done. 232-1542, we've got a caller on the line. Fred, happy Friday. How are you? Hey, it's great, and the weather's fine. I have a question. Yeah. About the new jobs being developed. Uh-huh. Is that jobs we lost during the pandemic and now coming back, or is really created a new job? You know, I, the the jobs report does not make that distinction, and I imagine that a lot of it is recovering jobs, but there are some jobs that simply aren't coming back because businesses had to shutter through the shutdowns and through all the economic problems and everything. So it could very well be uh, a good portion of them being new businesses starting up and and sub businesses growing because they've taken advantage of the 
of the pandemic. But yeah, there's a lot of jobs lost that we're now getting back because of it as well. Okay. And I just curious about it. Yeah. Somebody really thought about this. Yeah, no, that abs- that's, a, that's a very good point. Fred, thank you very much for the call. Yeah, that's a really good point that we lost a ton of jobs from the start of the pandemic, the, the shutting down of the economy and everything like that. And those jobs, some of them are coming back. And yeah, that's probably some of what's being reflected in the millions of jobs that have been made that Biden is touting that have been made since he came back and since he came into office. But the economy is somewhat recovering. We are seeing some signs of it recovering. I think the biggest sign right now is that the Fed is really looking at the idea of increasing interest rates. Now, as I've mentioned before, that poses its own economic problem. Raising interest rates. The, when the Fed does this, it's a sign that the Fed sees good signs in the economy. Keeping rates down causes inflation. It's one of the things that causes inflation. But when you start raising rates, what ultimately happens is that you create a little, at least a mini recession, if not a full-blown one. And so that's going to be the next economic problem we face. So we need to raise rates because it will start to ease inflation. But at the same time, the, 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 amount, the, the amount that we have to raise the rates will cause inevitably a, a small recession in the United States. So it's just going to be one economic blow after another. One blow after another that didn't need to be as harsh as it was, but the government, through Congress and the Biden administration, felt that just you know shoveling more money into the economy was going to work, and it's not. It's caused almost all of our economic problems right now. 232-1542 if you want to join in the conversation. Part of this, like I've been saying is the energy issue. Like I said, Congress is gone for the weekend. They're they're not doing any work this weekend, which is just a, a moral failure on Congress's part. The administration has shown they're not a serious group of people. Jen Psaki wants to blame the empty, uh, unfilled leases that are out there on oil companies, never mind the fact that those oil companies knew what was going to happen, that the Biden administration would make it so cost prohibitive to, uh, to drill on those leases that they would, they would end up having to fold anyway. No production can be done under those circumstances. Oh, well, it would take years for the Keystone Pipeline to have an impact. Well, we've had years that we've been talking about it. We've had years where the Keystone Pipeline was up for debate, and Democrats have, year after year, blocked it, said, no, we don't need that. The economic impact is too big. The Biden administration is shutting down pipelines. They're not renewing leases. I mentioned a couple times they're not renewing a, a nuclear lease. A, a nu- they're not renewing a nuclear power plant in Florida. They've also proposed a rule that Jeff Landry is fighting right now that would ban uh, transporting liquid natural gas by rail, by rail car. At what point do you think the Biden administration is going to be serious on energy issues? And I, I know that I sound really passionate, more passionate than I sound. I, I try to be kind of neutral and, and analyze a lot of stuff just, you know, from a conservative perspective. But this is something that makes me legitimately angry. This isn't just an energy or economic issue. This is a national security issue in the United States. We cannot be a leader on the world stage. We cannot tell the Russian aggressors 
that they've done wrong and that they're going to be punished if we're going to turn around and buy a ton of oil from them and let them use that money to fund their war effort. And then you have progressives who say, well, let's punish Russia and let's buy our oil from Iran. Have you lost your minds? Iran regularly, we make our kids say the Pledge of Allegiance at the beginning of the school day. The Iran government says death to America in the same routine every day. That's part of their daily routine is death to America. What makes you think that buying oil from them is going to have any positive impact in our relationship or in global affairs? They'll use that money to fund Hezbollah and other terror groups to attack our interests in the Middle East, if not try to attack us directly. These are not serious people. These are people who would gladly put U.S. national security at risk and make us dependent on other countries all because they are terrified of climate change. Which every model that has shown some disastrous consequence of climate change has been wrong. The infamous hockey stick model has not come to fruition. We're how many years behind on that prediction? You hear Moon say it every day, climate change is a myth. I actually think it's, it's less of a myth and more just something that happens cyclically in world history. Our impact is not that great. But by God, we are doing everything we can to make sure that we are crippling ourselves in the energy department. 232-1542, if you want to join in the conversation. When we come back, let's take a look at some more global affairs, what's going on in Ukraine. Let's get a quick rundown of that and more here on the Joe Cunningham Show. News Talk 96.5 KPL. Welcome back to the Joe Cunningham Show here on News Talk 96.5 KPL. If you want to be part of the conversation, 232-1542. We've had a couple callers who called right at the beginning of a couple breaks and have uh, hung up since then. Please call back. Uh, we do want your voices to be heard. And if you want to take part in the conversation online at Twitter at Joe P. Cunningham there, you can also find me on Facebook, uh, facebook.com slash Joe Cunningham show, or just go to the search bar and type in Joe Cunningham show. You should find me there. Uh, so the Ukraine situation still underway. We are now in the second week of it. And there's an interesting report coming out. Uh, this is being pushed by Michael Weiss, who uh, was an editor at the Daily Beast he is progressive, but also has done a lot of work on Russia, uh, just in terms of you know looking at what Russia is doing in the world. And part of this kind of inspired, well, I shouldn't say inspired, but picked up a lot with the Trump stuff. So I'm, I'm telling you, this is a this is a very progressive anti-Trump person. But some of the reporting on Russia has been very deep from Michael Weiss. So if he's tweeting this out, it's something I can't verify, but it is something that I am you know interested in, kind of keeping an eye on. Uh, he's quoting a news report saying that he trusts the guy who is saying what's being said in this report, which is that Russia has resources left for the war until Sunday, after which they will collapse. Also next week, Russia is facing sanctions, the scale of which, quote, we have not seen before, end quote, and they will also affect Putin. So that is a new report coming out, unverified, but again, being supported by uh, this one uh, longtime Russian reporter, not a reporter from Russia, but somebody who has reported on Russia and its impact on uh, on global politics. 
So something to keep an eye out on there. As far as the Ukraine situation goes, uh, let's start with overnight. A fire broke out at Europe's largest nuclear power plant. Uh, Russia was shelling the Zaporizhia power plant, which is the largest nuclear power plant in Europe. Now, there were reports, uh, Ukrainian outlets were saying that they were targeting the reactor and they were going to cause a meltdown there. It turns out the fire that was spotted there was an ancillary building and not the main reactor building. Uh, It is not leaking radiation, according to multiple international agencies. President Zelensky also told journalists the attack was an act of terror that threatened the entire continent. So again, a Ukrainian sources actually put out that this was causing a radiation leak and everything like that. We are still seeing in a lot of these initial reports propaganda from both the Russian and Ukrainian side. So when you see a story on social media, please be very sure that it's been verified before you share it because we are the, a war a huge part of the war effort is going to be propaganda. And this is really kind of the first year or the first war that we've seen social media playing this this big a role before. We've seen social media playing a role in social and cultural movements and, and revolutions and rebellions and everything like that, but we haven't seen a major ground war being impacted like this. We were talking after the show yesterday, and it actually reminds me, um, World War II, you had uh, actually American broadcasters in London during the bombing of London, And a lot of those live broadcasts we could actually hear in the U.S. And that's what drove a lot of Americans to really support the idea of us getting involved in World War II, which ultimately was part of the reason that we did jump in. Our allies were being bombed, and this helped the U.S. government. This this helped convince the U.S. government we needed to do that. So social media playing a big role here, but there's a lot of propaganda coming out from both sides. So the power plant employees, uh, there were reports that they are working at gunpoint right now because Russia does control the power plant. Um, But there are some reports that we're seeing from CNN and elsewhere that are very troubling. Russia is using banned cluster bombs in Ukraine, uh, devastating claims of abuse perpetrated by Russian soldiers. This is all a, uh, a very, very tense situation. If Russia is facing resource problems, which it very well could be. Its economy all but collapsed at the start of this war. This They're banking everything on this war. If that is the case, it may be a short-lived war. But we still don't fully know uh, what's going on on the ground. We have to wait for a lot of these reports to pan out. 232-1542, if you want to join in the conversation. We've got Richard on the line. Richard, how are you this afternoon? Hey, just fine, Joe, just fine. Hey, look, I, I was to the news this morning, and, yeah, I did recognize some of the things that they pointed out. Mm-hmm. Uh, it looked like they did attack a training center on the sites. I worked in three nuclear plants, uh, Riverbend, Taft, and New Orleans, and mm-hmm. Houston Light and Power. My experience, uh, of course, our reactors are safe. There's our suit. If you don't attack uh, some of the water mm-hmm. facilities to be able to shut down the units, and that's what I, I, I'm sure they're doing now. They're properly shutting down the four units. Uh-huh. So they because if they lose them units, they don't just lose Ukraine. They would lose Russia, 
I mean, we'd have catastrophe. Then other nukes. I mean, you got to understand this would yeah. be yeah. really bad. So I think they're 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 smart enough to know that Ukrainians shut down their their units so mm-hmm. they won't have the electric, but the plant will still be salvaged. Yeah, yeah. That's that's what it sounds like from these reports. And this is, you know, this is one of those interesting things. A lot of folks are horrified by this because the the rules of warfare. You know, the Geneva Convention and all that say you don't go after civilian power. That's exactly what Russia is going to do is go after uh, Ukrainians' power and try to essentially freeze them out, which is, again, horrifying to a lot of people. Yes. Well, I thought I'd just throw that in. They they don't want to destroy themselves either. Hopefully uh, they got a little common sense of that in. Well, we're praying for the country and definitely Ukraine. Yeah, definitely. Thank you, uh, Richard. Thank you very much for the call. 232-1542, 232-1542, if you want to join in the conversation. We've got Pam on the line. Pam, how are you? Hi, I'm just fine. What you got? I just wanted to remind everyone, we have been chanting at our, our media uh-huh. for the last couple of years, two years, haven't we? Yep. Because they've been giving us reports that are wrong, correct? Correct. Yeah, all of a sudden we're going to believe them. They woke up today and they're going to tell the truth. No, that's that's a, that's a very good point. Which is, you know, Brian Stelter, at CNN, the 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 chief media reporter over there, uh, was went into there this ain't whole. Nothing that CNN says that I believe. <laughs> that's a very good point. But but Stelter Stelter's one of those. If he says something, you go ahead and start believing the opposite. Like that's that's how far gone he is. But he he was going on and on about how this war is is reigniting people, turning to their news stations. And getting their information there. Well, that's that's part of it. But a lot of people are turning to social media. And, and part of it is CNN and other places have chased us all to social media, haven't they? <clears throat> all I want to remind everyone is that those tires on their vehicles, if you put it in layman's terms, each passenger tire has eight gallons of gasoline in it. Mm-hmm. See all those tires out there on the roads? Yeah. That's part of our petroleum, too. Mm-hmm. That's Don't true. Don't forget it. Well, Pam. Oh, yeah. Nobody's going to go nowhere without rubber on the road, right? Exactly. It's the only thing that hits the pavement. Exactly. Pam, thank you very much for the call. I don't care if you have an electric vehicle, a diesel vehicle, or a gas vehicle. It's getting so bad out here, people can't even quote tire prices anymore. Thank you. Thank you very much, Pam. We've got to go ahead and take a break. We've got other callers on the line. Keep on the line. We'll get to you shortly when we come out of the other end of this break here on the News Talk 96.5 KPL. Welcome back to the Joe Cunningham Show here on News Talk 96.5 KPL. Glad to be with you all today. 232-1542. If you want to join in the conversation in this last segment, we're going to go to the phones. And James on the line with us. James, how are you today? I'm good, but how are you? I'm doing pretty good. Good. So I think what this thing is, it's bad, and, and I'll give you all that stuff. And, and um, But I think what makes it really bad for everybody involved is all the, the uh, social media that's involved with it. Because if they'd had social media when Vietnam was going on, Lord have mercy, or World War II, you know. Um, but if everybody goes back to history, that's how all these countries were determined. Mm-hmm. Whoever broke more things and killed more people got the got the property. I mean, that's how the United States was formed. So um, this goes back to World War II. Are we going to help them or not? Yeah, that's that's like that's a great question. Are we so, going to help them or not? Yeah, 
Um, I mean, is World War Three looming? If we do that, I don't know that. I, and another question I have is how come they don't take the 70 MiGs they just got from whoever and go bomb the Kremlin while the whole military is in Ukraine? But just my thoughts. Have a great day. Thank you very much, James, for the call. 232-1542. Anybody else wants to join in the conversation? And, you know, it's a very good point. Uh, it, war is all about breaking things. Uh, my buddy at National Review, Jim Garrity, has, uh, in, he's, he writes the Morning Jolt newsletter, which is a very good morning newsletter if that's something you want in your email inbox. But his headline this morning, Putin is determined to destroy what he cannot possess. And, and Garrity, in his usual way, is, uh, is very good at capturing these, especially these foreign policy moments. Um, the International Atomic Energy Agency announced in the early morning hours that the Ukrainian government had informed them that Russian forces had taken control of the site, but that the nuclear power plant continued to be operated by its regular staff and there had been no release of radioactive material. The IAEA stated that the radiation monitoring systems at the site are fully functional, but... Quote, the operator has reported that the situation remains very challenging and therefore it has not yet been possible to access the whole site to assess that all safety measures are fully functional. The crisis is not merely that Russia is invading Ukraine, Garrity says. It is that Russia is invading Ukraine in a particularly reckless, destructive and catastrophic way, such as using cluster bombs in Kharkiv, uh, which are banned. It is targeting civilian infrastructure and creating serious health hazards. Meanwhile, Russia is saying, well, it's the Ukrainian government that's just sacrificing using human shields in their civilians. This has been a particularly nasty, brutal war, and Russia's intent on destroying Ukraine. It doesn't just want to take over Ukraine. It wants to destroy what's there and rebuild it, it seems like. And this kind of plays into the idea that Putin's kind of losing it mentally, that he is just out there just completely trying to destroy. Putin has been largely tactical in the way he's gone after territories before. He has really pushed to try and keep things intact and just win and just get and take over politically. But now he's going in a full, you know, tear it all down mode for a lot of Ukraine. I think he's starting to get really embarrassed that this isn't over by now. And if that report I mentioned earlier is truthful, that they don't have the resources for a long war, then you could be seeing Russia get potentially more aggressive and destructive. And that could be a big problem. We're going to jump back to the phones. We've got a couple minutes left, 232-1542, if you want to join in. We've got Renee on the line. Renee, how are you this afternoon? Yeah, I think the problem with the Western nations that don't want to help the Ukraine is that because of the Cold War, whatever happened then, all the people in the media, academia, and some of the people infiltrating the government are just two, two pro-communist, communist sympathizers, communist collaborators, and they want their own regime like Putin. So why the, why the hell are they going to turn on Mother Russia that they inspired to be like? That's that's a very good question. Could those could that be you know the case? I, I'm I'm finding it. So I, I've in kind of studying what what Putin is saying. It, it seems really likely that Putin's not necessarily trying to rebuild the Soviet Union, but trying to actually rebuild the Russian Empire. He wants to be more like a czar than a Soviet, and he wants that centralized power in a way that Soviet Russia allegedly didn't want under its communist regime. But that is still a good point, that you do have a lot of people in American government, including Bernie Sanders, who's there right now, who was a big fan 
of communist Russia and was really, really uh, pushing for America to be more like the communist states and in doing more things in a very socialist and communist way. Renee, thank you very much for the call. We're about to have to wrap up. But that's part of the problem is that we have so many people in our government who look at other governments and wish for America to be more like them rather than for America to stand out and do what it's been doing and has been doing successfully. But you have a political party that hates America, that says America is the problem, and has politicians in there that want to fully disrupt, if not completely defund, American institutions like law enforcement, like our military, and take us out of world leadership positions. And so it creates a vacuum of power that somebody like Vladimir Putin can fully take advantage of and use to try to seize power in places where he didn't have power. The problem is a bad global economy, underestimating his enemy, and all sorts of other problems seem to have limited Putin's ability to wage a full-scale war in Ukraine. So now he's amping up the attacks and trying to destroy as much of Ukraine and force a surrender as possible before he runs out of the resources to be able to conduct war. It is incredible to watch in real time, frankly. We're going to see what this weekend brings. We will see if Russia continues this onslaught or if the Biden administration steps up. And hopefully by Monday, we will see something a little more substantive on the issue because we really do need to see America step up in big ways here. Thank you guys very much. It's been a great week. Let's have another great week starting on Monday here on the Joe Cunningham Show News Talk 96.5 KPL. Once again, Twitter at Joe P. Cunningham, Facebook.com slash Joe Cunningham Show. And catch the podcast version of the show on Apple, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts. And we'll look forward to talking to you guys again next week here on the Joe Cunningham Show.